But thanks for being here, man. I appreciate yeah, of that. Of course. Uh, we were just talking that you're another good Midwestern boy from Michigan. Yeah, there's there's a lot of Midwest people out here. Yeah, we're, um, we're good people. Yeah, we, we all try to escaped be. escaped yeah. the grasp. And you've been here for seven years, so I've heard that like there's an inflection point at seven years where if you make it seven years, you're you're here, like you're good. Yeah. Yeah. See, I thought that was like. I thought that was earlier, but maybe... Maybe I'm confusing my numbers. Maybe it's four years? Yeah. Anyways, you've been here for seven years, so you're you're probably grounded. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the first two years in LA were, I think, just it's just innately rough yeah. for everyone. Yeah. It's just kind yeah. of like difficult and finding the areas and you know where, where you want to live and, and so on is always just kind of tough. But I've been in the place like i have a house in west hollywood and i've been there for five yeah so i've been i've spent most of my time there yeah i'm i'm acclimated at this point you don't mind the island effect of west hollywood no not too bad during the pandemic i got into like motorcycles so that is like freed up yeah a lot of the city and that's like the big thing that i love about it is like oh i can just like go places without having to like completely be bombarded by traffic and, yeah. and everything else so it's almost like a helicopter like you just get to hover above exactly traffic. exactly yeah i've always wanted a motorcycle i'm st- i haven't pulled the trigger i'm still scared yeah mostly like all my girlfriends in the past have been like you can't have one yeah and now i no one's holding me back yeah get it done <laughs> i when i first got my motorcycle i was kind of dating a girl it was kind of at the end we weren't official or anything it was kind of a casual thing yeah but she very much was like if you get a motorcycle i won't date you oh. and then it was like two days later i was like check out my new ducati <laughs> like, and a ducati yeah boy. i'm like testing the waters <laughs> yeah. like you holding that true and she was she was true <laughs> so here we are <laughs> yeah um okay so we'll give you the first official question which is the only question and the rest is just a conversation okay but it's back to that number seven which mm-hmm. is the question is what were you up to when you were seven years old oh man when i was seven i was i mean i guess i was kind of a temperamental child okay i was always like the art kid though so like same i was really big into drawing I, I spent most of my time just drawing. I got into like origami when I was around that age. Yeah. It was like just kind of doing that. It was like just, a trend. I think we're a similar age. Like there was an origami trend. Yeah. When I was about that age too. I think. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, and I remember like getting into it, I think in, in like school, like first grade yeah. or something. There like was the whole paper crane thing. Yeah. That was yeah. A it's like you phenomenon. learned how to make a paper crane. I was yeah. like, okay, this is like kind of meditative and nice. Yeah, like yeah. let's get very precise. On this. Exactly. Like, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. I get I've that. always been like... I've I've always had like ADHD, mm-hmm. so it's like anything that can kind of like keep my hands occupied has always been like really good for me. So like yeah, when I was a kid, it was a lot of art stuff like drawing yeah. and and that and you know played sports, but was never like exceptional at it. It was Same. always just kind of like a, appease the parents. It was kind social. Of like, Your friends played, so you exactly. played. I played all the sports as a kid, but I was really an art kid too. Yeah, I was an only child when I was younger, and I was always like I was like. A Nickelodeon kid, so mm-hmm. I'd watch Nickelodeon yep. and I'd have a like I'd always have these tackle boxes full of art supplies, yeah, and a stack of paper, and yeah. I would just like post up and be just drawing, 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 yep. and watching. So you're absorbing cartoons and animation, and then I was just like recreating what I saw, yeah, and that was my mo. And I don't know if I had ADD, yeah, maybe who knows, yeah, <laughs> who knows who does what what it right. is, but it definitely kept me occupied, yeah. So I very much relate to that, yeah. But also the precision, like origami is very precise, yeah. You know, I was big on like. I was two episodes ago. I was talking to a fashion designer, Michelle, about how like I was really big into precision and graph paper. Yeah, like I loved. I still, I still gravitate towards like rectilinear art. I don't know. It just kind of comforts me to have yeah. clean lines. Yeah, and it seems like 
in your work because you're a photographer mm-hmm. and you do portraits and headshots, but primarily I think you moving towards beauty. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know anything about beauty, which is why I wanted to talk to you. Yeah. There seems to be, although it's like ethereal and light and airy, there is a precision to beauty photography. Absolutely. Well, yeah. and that's, that's always been my fascination with it is, you know, I've been a photographer for over 15 years now. Yeah. Um, I got into it pretty young and have kind of bounced from industry to industry. You know, when I got started, I was just shooting a lot of like model portfolio, kind of like fashion, but not actual fashion or anything like that. Yeah. And then like did a lot of like commercial stuff, like ad work and different things like that. And then when I moved out here to LA, you know, you kind of have that like, all right, time to like reinvent myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to, I think every photographer and and model as well, like every few years, you're just like, I want to like destroy this portfolio and just start anew yeah. and just like kind of reinvent, you know, what I want to do and who I am. And when I came to LA, I was very much in that, like that facade and just being like, all right, I want to restart, jumpstart, let's do this. And my weakest portfolio, I had several portfolios on my website at the time, but my weakest at the time by, by far was beauty. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, I'll start there. I'll shoot some beauty. It'll give me an opportunity to like build out teams, build some relationships with makeup artists, hairstylists, yeah. models, different people. Yeah. And then kind of like, once I have that looking pretty good, I can kind of move back into like commercial portrait work and different things like that. So you, what you look for the weakest point in your chain of, of skills yeah. Yeah. and tackled that. Yeah. That's really impressive. And then, yeah. and then when I started understanding beauty and kind of getting a feel for it at that point i was starting to get booked for jobs and stuff so i was just like all right well we'll ride this out and by all means i love beauty and i've always loved it for its precision you know i'm i'm a geek by trade so like i love lighting and i love kind of being weird with that and beauty's really one of those where you can kind of like get weird on all fronts and, and it works and yeah so i've just been kind of like riding that wave i built that portfolio started getting booked for jobs, continue to enjoy beauty today. Yeah. Um, and yeah, still shoot beauty despite having kind of a limited knowledge on a lot of beauty brands in the industry as a whole and different things like that. But um, that also might help you because you're not falling into the classic tropes of what beauty yeah. in the past has been yeah. in terms of representation and imagery and whatnot. Yeah. I like to try to keep it kind of fresh. Certainly just kind of through osmosis, I've learned a ton over the last five, six years that I've been shooting beauty. Yeah. But yeah, try not to follow trends so much, kind of like break from the molds a little bit and just do things a little different Yeah. Um, just to stand out from the crowd as well. So. so there's a ton to unpack there. First of all, the fact that you, the approach that you took to just pursuing beauty is really interesting to me because you looked at your portfolio and said, I don't, I haven't done a lot of beauty, so let's just figure this out. So yeah. add it to my resume. And then you, you found something you liked in it and you know, a lot of people would have would be hesitant to go after the thing that they're weakest in. Yeah. Because it's more work. It's like, yeah. I don't know what I don't know. I don't even know where to begin. I'm a guy. You know, you rolled up here on a Ducati. You're yeah. a straight guy. Yeah. Beauty's not like I wouldn't. That would be my first choice of yeah. what I expect you to do. Yeah. But I love that because I'm right now in a position where I'm sort of reinventing myself. Yeah. You know, I've spent the last... I've been modeling for eight years Mm -hmm. and I started when I was like 25. So I was in that like young 25 year old category and I spent the last eight years building up a really, you know, pretty solid portfolio in all the different aspects that the 25 to 35 year old age range is. 
And now I'm like, my new representation is like, dude, forget about 25 to 35. 35 to 55 is your future. Yeah. So all my new, sh- like I'm growing my hair out. I'm, my styling's all different. Yeah. And I'm basically like completely restarting my portfolio, which yeah. is terrifying. Yeah. Because all the work I've done is like, it's like this sand mandala. It's just like gone. Right. Yeah. And so the fact that you, you know, you leaned into this one aspect of your portfolio that was weak mm-hmm. and then sort of let it take over you know, yeah. your direction is really cool to me. And then as a beauty photographer itself, talking about keeping things fresh and playing within, bringing a new spin to things. Yeah, I'm curious how you're doing that because beauty is so contained. Like yeah. even the composure of the shots, like it's a, it's just someone's face for the most part. Yeah, There's not a lot of wiggle room. So yeah, like, but I look at your portfolio and it does feel fresh and I'm just like, I don't like again like I don't know what I what I'm even looking at like right well it's you know for me in a lot of the reason that I kind of started with my weakest portfolio is like by and large I'm a problem solver so yeah. like I love kind of solving problems I love you know it's hard for me to appreciate movies fully anymore because like I'm deducting the lighting <laughs> yeah, and I'm like yeah. deducting like kind of everything and by no means am I a filmmaker or anything like that but I just like I kind of always go into like everything like a little bit more analytical. I'm like, I wonder what that eye line is. Like, is is that person giving their lines? Like, or is it, it, it are they off camera? I'm, exactly. I, I've been behind the scenes. But yeah. It's impossible not to think that way. Yeah, absolutely. So when I kind of got started in beauty, that was like a big component of it. It was just like, all right, this is the work that I was presenting at the time when I was kind of trying to reinvent that portfolio. Yeah. Here's the portfolio I want it to look like, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of pulling inspiration sure. and just being like, where's the difference, you know, where's the, you know, trying to make those correlations to kind of better my own work. So before I shot beauty, I was living in New Mexico and I was shooting a lot of headshots, like actor headshots. Right. And it was the same thing. It's you're kind of shooting the same thing over and over again. The lights very static. Mm -hmm. You kind of have like this one design or whatever, but I always told people that I worked with, you know, it's micro stuff. There's three things by and large that you can move on your face, your eyes, your eyebrows, and your mouth. I can't be like, Oh, move that ear up (laughs) half an inch or anything like that. Oh, well, (laughs) (laughs) so there's, you know, it's just all of these like micro expressions and stuff like that. So a lot of like and that, that applies for all things. It's that like extra little oomph. So, you know, with beauty, I love kind of by keeping things fresh. I love using weird lighting and like, you know, weird makeup and just like little subtle changes that don't seem like much, but they kind of make the photo and make it really stand out yeah. over what else is out there. So yeah. by and large, like I, I always tell people like my love for photography has always came from like my love for lighting and just mm-hmm. kind of like how light shapes, scenes, faces, moods, everything. So I love doing beauty because it is one of those, you know, with headshots, it was so restricting because, you know, for an actor headshot, especially like you got to light their face. Yeah. Ultimately it's a casting director that wants to see what this person looks like. Yeah. But with beauty, since the attention is on the product, you know, if it's like, oh, this company is coming out with a new lip lipstick line or whatever, like you don't have to light it in a very boring way. You can light it very creatively right. because ultimately it's like the, the product is the lips and that just, you know, that changes everything. So you can put a spotlight on it. You can, you know, you there's a million different ways that you can go about it. Yeah. You know, to keep things fresh, I usually just try to like change up the lighting and do stuff radically different than what you might do for a standard portrait session. Right. And just use different tools to just kind of like 
create something that kind of draws the eye in a little bit more. Well, and I love that. Like the first thing you brought up is just subtlety, you know, mm -hmm. micro expressions. Yeah. I, you know, I studied psychology a bit in college and I loved that. Like there's this dance going on with people's facial expressions that like it's almost sub perceptible. It yeah. is sub subconscious yeah. at a subconscious level. But like you're making these micro facial expressions that other people are picking up on and they're not even aware of as you yeah. have this comp like we're doing it right now. We're yeah. not we're like, yeah, that's what people are like. Oh, I can read your energy. Like you're really reading how you're presenting yourself and exactly. your body language and things Absolutely. like that. And, you know, there's a big thing in acting. It's like, you know, the scene requires you to be happy. Don't show me what you think a happy facial expression is. Like, think a happy thought. Right. And you will have these tiny, like, your lips will turn ever yep. so slightly. Your eyes will crink, you know, you get little, the little creases at the edges of your eyes. Yeah. You'll portray a subtle version of happy that is far more genuine than anything that's like, theater theatrical like yeah. you know, it used to be like you're projecting for the back of the, the auditorium so you yeah. have to have these crazy over-the-top expressions when you are in a close-up on a film no 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 like it's like yeah. the most subtle version of Absolutely. that expression and i think that's kind of what you're going for in beauty as well and you also answered another one of my questions which is like what's the product what are we selling in beauty because yeah. i don't go to sephora i don't right i don't wear makeup even though now it's like I don't know. The lines of like who wears makeup is so blurry. Oh, like, yeah. And like I just had a photographer reach out to me and she's like, I want to shoot beauty with you. Yeah. And my first intention was like, no way. I don't know how to do that. But then yeah. my second thought was like, cool, let's try that. Yeah. It's a it's a great market to be and in. I was like, so obviously you want me to shave like clean shaven. And she was like, no, no, no. I like the scrub. And I was like, what are we doing? Like, yeah. What are we doing? Like, because it's just not my world. But so the product is the lip gloss or the eyeshadow right. or the concealer. Yeah. And so that's what you're highlighting. Yeah. And then the rest of it is where you get that room to play. Exactly. And that's kind of what you're telling well, me. Well, and, and it's funny because I have so many friends and peers and stuff that are beauty photographers as well. And the industry is kind of surprisingly small yeah. for how big of an industry beauty is. Huge. And we talk all the time and it's like, you know, when you shoot a bunch of campaigns for different brands and stuff, it always feels like boring, mm -hmm. you know, where you're just like, okay, they want to play it safe because ultimately it's like, this is going up in adverts and magazines and billboards and different things like that. So yeah. ultimately they want to play it safe. So when you shoot a bunch of that stuff, all you want to do is like shoot test shoots or, you know, kind of creative shoots on your own time. And I think the difference between those is like, if I'm shooting for a beauty brand that has a bunch of foundation sticks that they're coming out with, like they're mm -hmm. going to want it really safe. And what I'm selling is essentially their foundation sticks. Right. But when I'm like shooting just a test shoot with a model and a makeup artist and we're just kind of getting creative and playing around, like ultimately, like when you're testing, mm -hmm. you're selling yourself and yeah. your own skills. Yeah. So there's always kind of this like duality with that where it's just like you have to like kind of remember what the product is and sort of all that you're doing. You know, if you're shooting a fashion campaign and you're wearing a suit like the suits, the product, yeah, like yeah. you got the opportunity to maybe be in a magazine or a billboard or something wearing that suit, but like ultimately the suits, the product. But then if you're building out your portfolio, you're the product you're the at product. that point, yeah. you know, you're trying to like show the world, like, Hey, I can show this expression. I can do this. this I can lifestyle, do that. This I mood, work. Yeah. yeah. I work in these fields. Yeah. So yeah, I think important, it's important for all people in any creative industry to like, just kind of Remind yourself like what the product is at all yeah. times. And then once you kind of have that just basic idea figured out, like it, it kind of like opens up a lot of creative doors and which ways you want to attack it. So Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, you know, I've been doing a lot of test shoots lately. And mm -hmm. like I said, kind of rebranding myself as this, you know, no longer young gun guy. It's like, I'm, <laughs> sure. you know, I'm getting into young dad ter territory or like just dad territory. And I'm, you know, I'm 
I'm fine with it. I don't really have an ego about like my youth yeah. anymore. But like, you know, when I go out to the desert and I shoot a more like rugged sort of portfolio look, mm-hmm. yes, I'm selling this vibe that I can look like I fit a brand that would potentially fit the same sort of, sure. you know, set and setting. And it's it's weird because like the product there is me. I'm pitching myself as a product to a potential client who then is going to sell jeans. Yeah. And the photo that like I eventually get paid for might just be a detail shot of like my yeah. back pocket. Yeah. Because like that's what like I just had a couple of days of shooting for a new athleisure brand. And a lot of the stuff they're really fo- like, yeah, we got to play around. The photographers were great. And I really got had a good rapport to work with them. But like. The other day, they're like, we need to feature this zipper because that's like, that's what we're selling. Right. That's the product here. And like, it's just really interesting that like, it's this chain of like, I'm selling myself to you to prove that I can fit within how you want to sell your product right. to the consumer. Right. And it's really interesting because I see all the work on your, on your Instagram and your, your portfolio website. And I also, you know, I follow other models and like, yeah. I, I know that a lot of girls specifically female models um, and a lot of male models too now, like they want to book beauty campaigns. It's a big goal. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really good advice to remember that eventually you're going to sell a makeup product, but to sell that makeup product, you're selling yourself to the people who sell that makeup product. Yeah. So you, you know, when you set up a shoot, that's like, I want to get some beauty looks in my portfolio, sell yourself. And I'm curious what sort of trends you see in the beauty photography and beauty model landscape? Like what's emerging? What are people gravitating towards? I know like quirky and diverse and all that has been yeah. like a hot topic for the past few years. But yeah. as a professional, I'm wondering what you're seeing. Well, and I think to kind of touch on what you've already addressed is a lot of the beauty industry, and this has been a trend for a couple of years now, it's getting very like androgynous. It's yeah, getting, sure. there's a lot of campaigns with men, women, everything you know makeups before it was sort of a stereotype that like women wear makeup and then like aside from actors or something like men don't wear it and now it's like that game has changed entirely so they're opening up a lot of doors for that kind of stuff so it's good to hear that you're you're shooting a little beauty because it's it's a really really interesting market but i think a lot of the industry right now is still sort of recovering from this pandemic kind of figuring out the trends a little bit i think that they're still kind of leading off on that you know for me i don't I try not to follow the beauty trends directly just because trends have a timeline on them. Yeah. And, you know, they're Maybe a that's life. a bad way to frame it more. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to help the listeners who are maybe moving, trying to angle towards a beauty campaign. Like how can they present them their best self? Yeah. To, to, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. So there's, there's kind of two avenues that I would say. One is kind of the tried and true and the real, like most beauty brands when they're shooting a campaign, they're probably going to play it largely pretty safe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I work with a lot of different agencies and they'll have like new faces or whatever. So they'll book with me for new faces and whatnot. And it's like, always have to get like a really clean look. Yep. Um, you know, especially if it's skincare or something like that, they want to make sure that your skin's great. Everything like, like the that. natural, almost no exactly. makeup look. Yeah. Like, yeah. The no makeup, makeup kind of look. Dewy skin kind of. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's always kind of like a tried and true. And that like the reality is, is that will probably get you booked both as a photographer and as a model and frankly, as a makeup artist is like, if you can do really good, clean, like clean, yeah. no makeup, makeup looks, that'll get you booked all the time, nonstop. Because then, you're going to be shooting something that's similar. Exactly. Because it's interesting for me, you know, coming in as a model, you think like, 
oh, like they're going to imagine me in a suit. They're going to imagine me in casual dad lifestyle. But yeah. like you have to show them you in those outfits exactly. to get that it's, work. It's kind of fascinating that like creative directors can sometimes be the least creative yeah. people they can't in that imagine, front. Like, they're like, you're like, I'm a professional rock climber. They're like, yeah, but I don't have any photos of you rock climbing. So right. how do I right. know? Like I can't visualize <laughs> yeah. this. And you're just yeah. like, well, think of somebody rock climbing and then put my head on it. Exactly. Like, that's exactly. me. Like, yeah, no. But so for beauty, you can show just like the the blank canvas almost. Exactly. Because you're going to book blank canvas looks. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, skincare, you know, skincare stuff is huge. And, you know, a lot of that stuff is just the dewy skin, the basic, yeah. you know, not heavy makeup or anything like that. Like you're selling good skin kind right. of. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And then, you know, the other one is just kind of like asset stuff. You know, it's highlight your assets. If, if you're kind of androgynous looking, lean into that yeah. and like kind of show that off. I've worked test shoots and it's, it's always funny. I always feel so guilty. Like I'll work with like a model that has like really great lips or mm -hmm. like a really, really great eyeliner or whatever. I'm like, I want to just do like a macro shot of your lips, just like super zoomed in. You will be unrecognizable, but yeah, like yeah. I need this for my book and I'm like, we'll get some pulled back shots too. But like <laughs> yeah. ultimately no, the rest of you is good too. But right. But I mean like also those things book, like I know, you know, a couple models in particular that have really, really great lips yeah. and they have done a million lipstick campaigns as mm -hmm. a result. And mm -hmm. it's like, you know, it's just close up shots of their lips or whatever. And, you know, they're plastered everywhere and nobody recognizes like, oh, that's, you know, this yeah. person. But if they're making it, they're yeah. making a very healthy living being the lips for, you know, major brands and kind of have to like both get like a really good clean look, have something there that's just like a solid clean look. And then, you know, the other angle is really just kind of leaning into your assets mm -hmm. and what makes you sort of unique and interesting yeah. that might be able to be, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I came across a new, like a new faces model. I think she was with like photogenics mm -hmm. and every picture she was not smiling, but she has yeah. like insane lips, like yeah. that Cupid's bow. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. like, and I was like, she must have bad teeth or something. Yeah. Like she's killing it with the lip. Yeah. And then I, you know, I saw way down in her feet, a photo of her smile. I was like, Oh, she has great teeth. Yeah. But that's just not like, she's not booking crest ads. Yeah. She's booking Revlon lipstick ads. Exactly. And so she knows her lane and yeah. she's like, there's something to be said for not spreading yourself too thin, not saying, right. well, you could do eyeshadow, you could do lipstick, you could do earrings. Yeah. Like, focus on like what what's unique about you and like what do people compliment yeah. about you maybe and then show that off because that's yeah. probably what's going to set you apart from the average bear. You know? Yeah. And, and, you know, so much of the industry is, it, it feels like it's really leaning into that too, where 10, 15 years ago, it felt like all models sort of looked the same, yeah. kind of had like this one sort of cookie cutter look to them. And now you know, the industry is trying to just like really lean heavily into just like diversification. Plus size models is like, you know, that's, oh, yeah. that industry is blowing up. Natural there's, fit. Yeah. yeah. There's so much more just like body acceptance that they're trying to lean into and trying to like recognize. I've worked with so many models that have like huge gaps in their teeth oh, yeah. and they used to be super self-conscious about it. And now it's like, that's what pays their bills. You yeah. know, it's just like, oh no, it turns out like these people love this. They love this look. It's something different. For so long, it was kind of cookie cutter mm -hmm. that now it's just like, oh no, we want the different. We want we want to move away from that cookie cutter look. Yeah, it's interesting. And just it's, kind of, it's kind of two dimensional. There's like people want more relatable. Yeah, like and I do a lot of commercials, so in the commercial world, relatable is a big word. That you don't want the guy who's like intimidatingly good looking because. Right whatever product he's selling, you're like, you might think as a consumer on your couch at home, like, well, 
that guy's like I'm nowhere near that guy's yeah. level. Like, that, why do I think I deserve real? that yeah. car or whatever right. he's selling? So relatable is huge. More every day. More mm-hmm. just like guy next door. That was a big note my my new agent gave me. Is like he's like don't make your hair perfect. Like you want yeah. you want to look at the guy who didn't have time to get a haircut. Yeah, because that's more relatable. Yeah, and then on the flip side. It's like super unique. Gap yeah. teeth, yeah. freckles, uh, like heterochromia where you have like one yep. blue eye, one oh, green yeah. eye. Yep. So that's like, and that's like even more unattainable than just like, you know, the L. McPherson perfect right. stru- facial structure. Right. It's like, I can't go dye one of my eyes blue. Right. But there's also this trend in Beverly Hills of the past few years where people are going to plastic surgeons to get like one tooth moved out of alignment. I know. Because <laughs> uniqueness and yeah. like, not quite perfect is better than perfect yeah. in some weird way. Yeah, yeah. And and I don't necessarily condone that. <laughs> no, don't, it's like that's get, an extreme example. Yeah, yeah, don't don't go get plastic surgery to make yourself look weird or you know, uh, like asymmetrical or anything like that. Yeah. But but it 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 is really refreshing that the industry has kind of moved away from this like perfect symmetry cookie cutter kind of feel to just being like oh we're trying to find more people that are out in the streets and yeah. actually you know can just relate to a little bit more mm-hmm. so and there's always going to be room for margot robbie who is like right she's perfect looking yeah yeah, and, yeah, yeah. but the, the, the weird thing is like you can't unless you're born like that like you can't get there because right. like yeah you can go to an orthodontist and get your teeth straightened but like you, you know how you can see when someone's had their teeth perfect? Oh, yeah. It's not, yeah, it's yeah. that uncanny valley of like, yep. I see what you're going for, but it's throwing me off. Yeah. You yep. know, you've got those like Steve Harvey Ninja Turtle teeth where it's yep. just like not, it's too perfect. Yep. So yes, yeah, so if you're Margot Robbie, you're going to, you're going to be fine. Like you're going to, yeah. but also if you're not, that's great too. And mm-hmm. like embrace that. Like you're saying, it's like, this is open arms of the industry now, which is leveling the playing field, yep. which some people are frustrated about. Yep. Who are maybe more like traditionally aesthetic in, yeah. in the the industry's eyes but like there's room for everyone which is super refreshing yeah absolutely yeah well yeah i think that just everything has just you know diversified so much kind of going back to the beauty industry and i'm admitting my own just like naiveness on this but like when i got started in photography it felt like there was like four major brands of makeup yeah you know where yeah. it was just like oh yeah like there's Sephora, there's, you know, this, there's that, there's CoverGirl. There there was, it was so limited. And then Maybelline, all those like classic ads, you remember? Exactly. Cindy Crawford days. Exactly. And since then, especially looking at it now, like everybody has a makeup brand, like social media influencers, you know, Kylie Cosmetics is one of the largest brands in the music. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. ever. Like of all things, like rivaling like Coca-Cola almost at this point. But then also like Crayola has a brand of makeup. Yeah everybody has sort of tapped into this market of just like, and it, it just kind of comes from like, not only are profit margins insane for makeup. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a great Avenue to be in it. It's so expensive. Yeah. I mean, no, gone sho- I'm sure, you know, because yeah, like I've gone shopping with girls. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, no, it's, it's absolute <laughs> insanity. And then when you find out like how much they make, you know, they'll sell oh, a sure. palette for $60 and then you find out like, Oh, they make that for two. Really? Like, yeah. It like Jeez. the margins are insane, which is, a, a testament as to why <laughs> places like Crayola are making makeup now. Yeah. But kind of through that, there is, you know, just so much availability and just like so many different products. The market's just been kind of flooded with with so many different products and just like weird stuff. And, you know, it's just diversified so much yeah. to where it's like before there was, 
a half a dozen brands that were like sort of deciding this is the industry and this is you know how it works yeah and now it's you know youtubers have control over it and being like oh this is the trend now and this is what's fun and this is what's cool and this is what's different yeah um, i guess because the the cost of manufacturing isn't that high if the, yeah if the margins are that high and the re- yeah. you know the profit is so high you know any the barrier to entry is not crazy yeah and you can put like you know, you can do, I don't know anything about makeup, but like you could do a crazy neon palette. You could yeah. do the like smoky eye palette. Right. There's a ton of room to play. And like each, each individual brand is catered to its specific audience. Exactly. You know, if this YouTuber has a huge following, they'll probably right. want his or her specific style of makeup. Yeah. So it makes sense. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, is like, you know, 20 years ago, a brand like Maybelline or something wouldn't be making neon eyeshadows or anything it's just like it's not really within their brand scope but you know a brand like ColourPop will uh, because that's sort of what they tailor to and it's just there's so much more out there now that like the idea of what makeup needs to be and like what beauty photography is has expanded just exponentially in like the last few years even and it's made it just kind of an interesting market to be in too because it's just constantly evolving yeah i mean i'd I'd imagine it's just it's like fashion where it's, you know, it used to be four seasons and now it's like 52 seasons. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a weekly thing. Yeah. And it's like, what, what episode of Euphoria came out? Like what's, what's the new right. thing? You know, no, absolutely. Like, and it's just, it's what's trending and that makes total sense. And, you know, I don't want you to, I don't want to have to make you like talk about your favorite brands and what things you, you use because yeah. you, that's your job yeah. to book clients. But I'm curious about your workflow in general. So like when you are doing a test or you're you have a job for a client Mm -hmm. how much of it is your direction how much of it is the makeup artist you might bring in how much of it is the client what's that interplay look like the client work is like if i'm shooting a a makeup brand like campaign yeah usually they have like a team of creative directors every now and then i can get some input in there yeah you know ultimately they're hiring me because they like my work so within reason of course right right so they want me to do something within the styles that I do and have done, but usually they have a pretty strict control over like, here's our shot list. This is exactly what we need. Yeah. And there's not a ton of play in that, you know, it's a case by case basis. And then with test work and just like private work and, you know, where I'll get hired by model or something, or even at times makeup artists or whatever, like I try to make it a little bit more collaborative Yeah, because, you know, you have this, you have this benefit of like working with all these different people that describe themselves as creatives artists yeah. so it's just like why wouldn't you tap into that why would you be like this is what we're doing when everybody has like a fresh idea and a new take on something yeah so a lot of my like test work and just like private work which is models hiring me makeup artists hiring me agencies hiring me and stuff like i always try to make that a very like collaborative effort Mm -hmm. and i work with half a dozen makeup artists on the regular and they all bring different things and you know same with hairstylists and stuff like that it's like oh if i want something that's very bold in colors and this, like nobody does it better than this. If I want somebody that does dewy skin, like this is my makeup artist yeah. for that. Are you ever um, applying the makeup yourself? Have you dabbled no, in that? No, no. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, no, I I, I recognize how difficult it is. Like it's Delegation funny. is key, yeah. Yeah, you know, as a beauty photographer, I say most of my job is just like sitting around because I have a private studio and makeup artist model hairstylist will show up and then for like the first hour hour and a half of the shoot is just makeup and hair being done yeah and then they get in front of my camera and i shoot for 10 minutes i'm like yeah i think we got it like next look 
And then it's another hour of hair and makeup being done. Yeah. And I'm just like sitting around, just like browsing Instagram, just like, oh yeah, I'm shooting today. But I'm like, <laughs> most of my day is not shooting, you know? Well, in a way you're, you're the director, yeah. you know, if, if it was the analog to film in, in the print world, the photographer is kind of the director. There's a the yeah. creative director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a little, it's a little wishy-washy as to who's in control, but you're sort of bringing together all these elements in front of the camera and pressing right. a button when the time is right. Right. Uh, and I know that you've done, you've written for a lot of photography publications and yeah. you, you know, you're, you're sort of an industry resource, which is yeah. really cool. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff you, you write about and you give tutorials about is lighting. Yeah. And I think photography is really just controlling light. Yeah. And I, I did a little photography early on when I was in LA, mostly like event stuff, like concerts and bands okay. and stuff. Yeah. But like the technicality of it, I understood f-stops and ISOs and all that. But like when it got into like studio stuff, like I just didn't have an interest in lighting. Like yeah. it, I have these two soft boxes for my self-tapes and that's as far as my yeah. knowledge goes. Yeah. And I think it's, it takes a specific kind of mind, that very precise, technological, mm -hmm. little nerdy, like to, to really appreciate and understand and then apply lighting techniques. Yeah. So it seems like a lot of what you're doing, you know, the makeup artist is doing their thing, the hairstylist is doing their thing, the model's bringing their beautiful face and then you are building this like light structure around them yeah. to highlight things. Yeah, Does that make absolutely. Sense? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I really take that seriously. Like I kind of have like a rule where I don't set up lighting until after I've met the model mm -hmm. because I've been working with lighting for so long that like, I recognize that people light differently. You know, if they have really great skin, I can use a harder light. I can use smaller, you know, modifiers and different things like that because I'm not trying to hide any like skin texture issues or anything yeah. like that. And then, you know, the same is true. You know, if they do have rougher skin or, you know, we're trying to highlight something different, like the lighting will change and affect sort of yeah. the process. Like even different makeup brands will light differently in different, like, you know, in different applications and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, lighting has always been kind of my interest in photography. You know, I got a camera was taking photos and then just like from there was, you know, I remember like when I first started like shooting, like really shooting, like I would take photos of my friends and you would take like outdoor natural light photos and mm -hmm. it'd be like the sky would be white yeah, because, yeah. And, but I'm just like, the sky is blue. Like it was so blue that day, <laughs> yeah. but just like how the camera reads the lighting, it would appear white. Right. So I was like, how do I get the sky blue? And they're like, oh, well then now you need strobes. Mm -hmm. And then, so I started buying strobes and then I'm like, well then how do I do this? And then it's like, now you need more gear. Oh, you need so yeah. much gear. <laughs> and then, yeah, it kind of spiraled into where I'm at now where I just have like, yeah, just an insane amount of gear more than I would ever possibly need on my own. But yeah, I mean, it, it foundationally photography is lighting, you know, it's yeah. capturing light and, you know, that affects everything. So, yeah, I, I take lighting is a very important part. But of my I, job. I love what you said about how you don't light it until you see the model or see yeah. the, the makeup on the model, because, you know, I've done ton, like I do at least one headshot session a year mm -hmm. and I've been at this for eight years or whatever. And like you a lot of times you feel like you're walking into like these like pre-set up like yeah. sets yeah and it's like they know how to get this and like that's why all headshots look the yep. same yep and again my new agent is trying to move away from that because it's just like it, it becomes like, there's no personalization to it yeah and when i look at work like yours in the beauty the beauty sphere Yes, the lighting is like perfection, but right. it feels personalized. And right. I think that's what jumps out at you and why the images are so charismatic, despite the fact that there's very few moving parts. It's usually yeah. just like 
an extreme close-up on a face, maybe yeah. even just lips like you're yeah. talking about. But the way it's lit and like the, the the gentle touches and like back to the idea of subtleness. Yeah. I don't know. It adds it's it adds that personalization that, yeah. that really makes it it gives it that texture. I don't I don't really know how to explain it, but oh, I get that, it. That's a great compliment. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's it's important. When I used to shoot actor headshots, I would always kind of tell the client that I'd be working with, I'm like, you know, a casting director is going to get a hundred of these. Yeah. You need a shot that immediately just like grabs their attention mm -hmm. because they're going to be flipping through these as fast as they possibly mm -hmm. can and pulling out the ones they like. And I'm just like, so when I, I tell this even to like clients now, when, you know, if they want to do a proof gallery or whatever, I'm like, go through it as fast as humanly possible because mm -hmm. that's exactly what your client's going to be doing. Yeah. You know, whether it be a casting director or anything else, like they're trying to rip through this as fast as possible. Yeah. They want to get their job done. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just like, you want to find that photo that you, you're not sure why, but it just like grabbed your attention for a little bit longer than anything and else. And that's did. so hard to pin down because I, right. I'm in a category where there's a lot of guys who look a lot right. like me. Sure. Brown hair, scruff, 35, slightly rugged, also kind of class. Like it's just, it's not unique. I'm, I know that. <laughs> And it's very frustrating for me because like the things that I know that do make me unique, mm -hmm. you know, I'm pretty well educated. I'm, I'm, I think I'm a nice person from the Midwest. Like yeah. they don't capture in a thumbnail size photo. No. And so like when they're flipping through as fast as they can, they're just like, oh, that's another guy. Like yeah. that's another Michael in yep. LA. Yeah. Like, it's not that interesting. And it does get frustrating that you can't capture that, but there are ways to, I think. Yeah, and um, absolutely. I think that's part and parcel with this trend of, you know, embracing uniqueness and diversity mm -hmm. is like also just trying to let people have a little bit more freedom to ex show who they are yeah. in headshots and yeah. in portfolio materials. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think that's an interesting perspective to like go through as fast as you can and then, but how do you stand out in that yeah. methodology? Well, and, you know, we all are our own worst critics. So you can fall into that trap of like when you're going through a port, you know, a proof gallery or something like that this image might stand out but then when you really look at it you're like ah oh, like yeah i don't like where my what my hair is doing there and you're looking at the one thing that right. no one else is looking right at. and it's just like no like if this image grabbed your attention out of yeah. this sea of images in a gallery like that has more value than maybe your eyes a little squinty yeah. like because if it worked for you it's going to work for others and as i'd well. also recommend not choosing doing your own selects yeah because you're looking at things that are so different than what everyone else is looking mm -hmm. at you know like whenever i see my work in the wild like for a client yeah i'm always like oh that's what they went with but even more so like when my agents pick out my selects from a headshot session yeah. or a portfolio session it's never the photo i would have picked right but if i really sit and think about it i can see the appeal yeah objectively yeah but i cannot look at myself objectively it's yeah. just impossible oh yeah and no, i absolutely. try but like it i it's never it's never what like have a close friend or someone who's similar to you or yeah. someone who's wildly different than you have them pick have five people go through and yeah. pick and see what overlaps but like don't do it yourself. You'll yeah. go insane. Yeah. No. Yeah. You'll sit there forever yeah. trying to figure it out. No, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. I mean, would you think like, do you think the same thing applies to like, you know, you have a session and like, I like the way your Instagram is created out where you do like three, yeah. three looks from each, mm -hmm. each client or each um, talent. Do you pick your own shots that you want to showcase or how does that yeah, work? I, I typically will go through and pick them and I use that same sort of methodology of just like as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, certainly like clients have requested it in the past and by all means, I'll send them a proof gallery and stuff, but I prefer picking them or having, you know, if it's like a 
particularly like creative makeup look or something like I'll send it to the makeup artist so they can. Yeah. Cause you know, they'll see the, the little details that I might miss. Right. Or, you know, hair for that case. It's the or, same as like my agent is thinking through the eyes of like the client. Exactly. Like the makeup artist is doing the same thing. Exactly. So that input helps. Yeah. So. so yeah, I typically, I would say like 80% of the work that's like on my Instagram, like I've picked the images, but you know, from time to time I'll, I'll bring it to somebody else as well. Yeah. But yeah, calling is, it's the worst part of the job. It's, it's so hard because like 99.999% of the work I've done is we'll never see the light of day. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's all on my hard drive mm-hmm. or it's on, you know, some agency's hard drive and you get that analysis by paralysis or mm-hmm. paralysis by analysis, whatever it is, because there's just, there's so much work to shuffle through and you can only show so much and yeah. you can only post so often. You can only have your portfolio so big. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it is that like what jumps out at you. And there's that book Blink by Malcolm Gladwell yeah. where he talks about thin slicing things, Yeah, how um, people who judge whether an artwork is counterfeit or not, they know immediately, mm-hmm. like they'll look at it and know and yeah. then have to spend an hour like justifying why they know. Like, yeah. But it's like there's something about it that just jumps out yeah. and like your brain knows before you know yeah. consciously. Yep. That's like your gut instinct. You have to trust that gut instinct. Right. Well, yeah, it's kind of the laws of diminishing return in a lot of ways, you know, yeah. as you become an expert on things like you'll pick up on stuff that nobody would have any idea. Like I watched randomly, I was like in a YouTube poll the other day and there was like this video that was like, can these people detect whether or not these like iPod or uh, what are the headphones that Apple makes? The the what are they called? The AirPods. AirPods. Yeah. Yeah. They were they were asking can they tell which ones are the real ones and which ones are these really nice colors? Oh, based on like ones. sound quality? Sound quality, but yeah. then also just like build quality and stuff. Yeah. And like these people are going through it and like these ones are fake. You can tell by the grid here mm-hmm. and they're like literally looking through a microscope showing like, oh, the grid part or whatever. It's like, but like you would never. An average yeah. person would have no idea. It's just like, yeah. oh, I'm just like a tech person. So it's the I same know with like wine things. tasting. Or, exactly. You know, yeah. It's fine art. All of those things where it's just yeah. like, the average person doesn't understand why this costs more or this has more value than this or, you know, so on and et cetera. But like once you start really digging into there and like researching it, you immediately will recognize it. And it's hard. You have to, at a certain point, divorce yourself from that knowledge base because there is a, there is diminishing returns where Mm -hmm. if you, if you nitpick based on your expertise, like you'll never release the the final product where there's a point where like, yeah, you're not, you're like doing more harm than good yeah. by spending more time trying to massage it, and and I do want to talk about like photoshopping with you because yeah. you can photoshop forever. Yeah, you can go through and like I love like just zooming in on pixels and mm-hmm. fixing things, but there's a point where like the average bear, the average customer mm-hmm. is not going to notice, and you're wasting your time and your money by trying to make something perfect when it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm not even gonna try to accredit the quote because I'll get it wrong, but one of my favorite quotes is like, don't let perfect be the enemy of good enough. Yeah. Because yeah, you can kind of fall down this rabbit hole and never escape. Yeah, yeah, there's a famous general who said like, a good plan now is better than a great plan later. Yeah. Like, there's a point where like, if you don't do anything, you're fucked. Exactly. (laughs) Or if you do too, spend too much time doing something, you're also fucked. Yeah, well, and you know, I shoot with a medium format, 100 megapixel camera. Wow. There, there is no end to the <laughs> amount of retouching that you can it's do like on fractal. an image. You could go like, in yeah, you can just keep going forever, but yeah. eventually you have to reach a point of like, no one's going to notice that that skin pores 
yeah clogged you know or like, you're doing t- and it becomes that uncanny valley exactly like that person's skin has no exactly no you've definition. lost all yeah, yeah you've lost all reasonability here yeah, yeah absolutely that's interesting because i mean you're a professional photographer you know your your trade really well but a lot of people fancy themselves pretty good photographers these days yeah. and like you know there's influencers who have built bigger followings than you or I have based on their own photo, like ring light and like, Mm -hmm. you know, some like natural lighting and selfie sticks and whatnot. And I'm curious what advice you'd give to someone who's, who's trying to harness the, you know, the ubiquity of how much technology we have in photography now with our iPhones and ring light and a couple soft boxes. Like what advice would you give to someone who's trying to light things well, maybe do a little retouching without like face tuning everything or whatever, right. you know, how would you help, help people kind of ride that line? Yeah. I mean, I think it's all about kind of going back to what we were just talking about. You have to like manage the expectations, Yeah. you know, obviously you become, as you kind of grow in your skills and knowledge, you'll become way more efficient at what you can do mm-hmm. in a certain amount of time. But my philosophy has always just been like, content 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 yeah and you know you can dig through my portfolio and be like there are so many imperfections in each one of these photos but like ultimately my goal is is like i'm trying to produce like i want to i sometimes have to like stop myself and reground myself but like recognize pretty early that like in the era of social media people aren't going to a photographer's website nearly as often as they were five six years ago now you just go to their instagram yeah and how Instagram is designed and Facebook and TikTok and all of them are designed is chronologically. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't post anything on Instagram or on your, you know, your feed on Instagram for a couple of days, no one's seeing your profile yeah. anymore. Yeah. Like how often do you go to somebody's profile? I mean, usually it's just in your feed and like you don't click through to there. Exactly. I'm very big on like how my profile looks as a yeah. whole. Obviously you yeah, are yeah, too. Yeah. And like but like more often than not, they're seeing a single image at a time. Exactly. You know? So, you know, if you're trying to build a following and trying to build your skills and your sort of impact and what you can do, I, I tell people like, you just have to produce yeah, and like keep producing because so much of social media and how people sort of ingest these things now is based on timing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's it's just going to be pushed into your feed if it's, it's eyeballs new. Eyeballs and clicks and exactly yeah. if it's new, it, it'll be pushed into the feed. If it's old, nobody will ever see it again. Yeah. So you know, I always tell people like obviously like practice as often as you can if you're trying to like learn a skill or anything, but don't practice internally. Like mm-hmm. show off that work mm-hmm. because ultimately like very few people are scrolling through your feed to like what you were posting three years ago. You know, people go deep, but yeah, it it happens. It happens, you know, but like, it's not, it's not nearly as common as like people might think it is. They'll see your top, you know, few rows or whatever. Exactly. So it's, and they also know that like, there's a point where you get down to people's feeds where you see like the old trends and the old mm-hmm. aesthetics of Instagram. You're like, yeah. oh, that was five years ago. Yeah. Like, no Remember when Instagram, like you had to put a filter on? You like, had to put a filter. You couldn't do anything besides a square. So there was like yeah. the white cropped box. Oh, you yeah. Know? They had those like weird film borders yeah. that you would, like, oh, yeah. have to that's attach the, to it. That's the telltale sign of old, old photo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Like there's this. Um, so the brand I was shooting with, this athleisure brand I was shooting with, this past weekend on the, on the inside of their shirts, like kind of like Lulu does, they put uh, this quote that start before you're ready. Yeah. And it's again, like you could sit there and prepare and like find the perfect post, but like just put it out. Yeah. And there's a Warhol quote. I was talking to the owner of the brand about it. Like there's this Warhol quote I love. That's 
He's, I, I have to paraphrase it, but it's like, he's like, don't worry about the ins and outs of making art. Just get it done. Yeah. While people are deciding whether it's good or bad, make more art. Exactly. Like, just get ahead of the curve of, mm-hmm. like, people's judgment. Yeah. Whether they like it or not. And, like, TikTok is a really good example of this right now because the the common idea is, like, to put out five videos a day. Yeah. And that's like, because the people are right now like trying to blow up on TikTok and they're doing it. They're getting yeah. millions of followers very like dedicatedly, if that's a word. Yeah. But it's about just like put out videos. Yeah. And TikTok is one, you know, the extreme end of the spectrum. But the other thing that people say is like the videos that they put the least effort into that they just kind of threw together are the ones that blow up. Oh yeah. Because people don't care about like right. seeing the seams and like right. the, the shoddy cuts and the, right. you know, the yeah. bad if they want to watch a masterpiece they'll go see like a scorsese film yeah. but like they're yeah. watching you know they're watching a tiktok on their phone as they're absolutely waiting for the subway or whatever you yeah. know it, it it doesn't need to be perfect and i i it's listen better i think people are purposely making them imperfect oh absolutely. because it's relatable it goes absolutely. back to that idea yeah. absolutely well and i kind of touching on that too i i listened to a podcast some time ago of uh the guy's name is Craig Finn. He's the lead singer of a bunch of like rock bands. And he actually, he actually interviews uh, Seth Meyers and they were just, it's, it's kind of a fascinating interview because it's just two very different people, but they share a lot of similarities. And Seth Meyers was talking about running the late show with him versus when he was on SNL. And Mm -hmm. he was like, SNL was so much more difficult because if we would have a bad week on SNL, it would just marinate for a week yeah. and it would just like get to you. And he's like with running a late night show that's on five days a week. It's like, you don't have time to be your worst critic. Yeah. It's a hundred jokes a day. Yeah. Exactly. It's just like, all right, bad show. Well, we've got to prep for tomorrow's show. Yeah. And that's how I've, I've always found like the most success in my photography is when I'm just like working too regularly to like really sit down and critique myself, mm-hmm. you know, once you once you have that downtime, then it, it, it can be really difficult because then you'll start nitpicking and then you'll start being like, oh, well, I actually don't like this, this, that, this. Yeah. Whereas like if you're just in the flow of things and yeah. just making things happen, like in the same applies for, you know, if you're trying to build a following and get people's attention and stuff, they're not sitting there zooming in or most of them aren't sitting there zooming in and seeing every aspect of that photo. They're just like, oh, that grabbed my attention. That's really interesting. I'll stare at it for a few seconds and then move on. Yeah, maybe a few seconds. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, you know, my advice to people is just like produce as much as you can. Not only will you learn a lot, but you'll see yourself improve, especially once you take that stop yeah. and be like, all right, this is my work from now. This is my work from a couple of years ago. And you'll see. Yeah. Oh, this is where I made the gains. And that you have to, yeah, to make those gains, you have to produce, like you said, mm-hmm. put stuff out yeah. or else there is, you know, there's no progress. Like, it's like as if you, you know, took a, a like a weight gain progress photo in the mirror, you know, yeah. people do like the they check yeah, yeah. in with like their weight and it's like, and if you just waited six months and took another one, but didn't work out, like there, the photo would be the exact same. Right. As, exactly. as opposed to going and working out every single day and yeah. then taking that photo. Yeah. You're going to see changes. Absolutely. So you have to keep trying stuff and keep, and I, I'm in like, you know, I love stories in, yeah. on Instagram because they're so low pressure. They, they, oh, yeah. they disappear. Yeah. There's no uh, feedback. Like, yeah, you get comments and stuff on them, but like yeah. there's really no feedback. And it's, it's just, it's interesting because like I know what 50 people or more are doing like right now. Like yeah. I know where yeah, they're yeah. eating. I know that they just worked out. I know they're at yeah. the beach today. Mm-hmm. I know what vacation they're on. I know how old their baby is. Yeah. And it's a good and a bad thing. Like I think I'm sort of at peace with the amount of engagement I have with social media, but it's it's really interesting how much access we have to people's lives. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. But we also have to like recognize that like in so many aspects of that, like you don't have access to the, you've got access to what they're showing you in yeah, their lives. Yeah, the highlight reel. Right. But yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I find myself just like zoning out to stories all the time. Yeah. Or at times I'll like start them on my phone and then I'll set my phone down and then realize like 10 minutes later that I've watched <laughs> everybody's story. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, geez. Like It's almost comforting though, because it is like you're keeping up with people. And, you know, mm-hmm. I have some friends who are off Instagram or they're, yeah. you know, they're boycott social media. They're doing a tech detox. Yeah. And I do think there's a cool balance point where like, like I said, like I know what my friends are up to. Yeah. And when I see them, it's not like, so what's the last two years been like? Like, how was that trip to Bali? Like, right. I saw that monkey shit on your head. Like, what yeah. was, you know? Right. And it's not as in depth. It's this thin slice of what's going on. So you can have the deeper conversations. Mm-hmm. But it is cool to stay abreast of what's going on in people's lives. Absolutely. Especially during these past two years. Yeah. Where we're no, not allowed it, to it, talk to people. Yeah. No, the Instagram stories provided me with such a sense of comfort yeah. in like in a time that was like extremely isolating for all of us like whether it be just seeing other people going through that or just yeah getting a moment in their lives and like being able to like at least passively connect with friends yeah you know by just watching their story and just being like oh cool they're doing this yeah like, and I, I love the aspect that like you can comment on someone's story and you have this little micro conversation yeah. and a couple emojis back and forth where it doesn't have to be like you know, pick up the phone and, and be like, so how is life? Right. Like, tell me, right. how's your wife? Yeah. How's your baby? It's these quick little connections. Yeah, it's that Because I think we're losing our socialization muscles. We're all atrophying in this, this 100% zero gravity space of the pandemic. Yeah. And like, maybe we're becoming Wally characters. I don't know. But yeah. Like, yeah. It is what it is. We don't need to go dystopian. <laughs> yeah. But I think, yeah, I, I like the idea of just produce put stuff out you mm-hmm. know have some throttle yeah i don't think you post every day yeah I well and I, i've slowed down considerably because you know it is finding that balance i i think we all kind of just got overwhelmed burnt out and everything um so yeah i say like produce as often as possible but like recognize your own needs as well yeah because it's easy to kind of fall into that trap where you're just perpetually exhausted mm-hmm. and just being like okay i've made this promise to myself or i've you know i need to keep this up and yeah, you'll burn out. You fall into the traps of like, oh, I got to keep the the algorithm gods pleased. And yeah, and yeah none of that's healthy either. But uh, you, yeah, know, you have produce... to find your own balance point of like, Absolutely. You, you know, you can say, okay, I'm going to make five TikTok videos a day. But like, is that sustainable for you? Right. It's the same with like, you know, a workout routine or a diet. The best one, as cliche as it is, is the one that you can keep to. Exactly. You know, like, because yeah. it's not a diet. It's a lifestyle, et cetera, right. et cetera. Right. But like, it's the same, you know. And I've talked about this before where it's like we have a social media diet. It's what mm-hmm. we take in. And like, do you want to be binging on social media every day? Probably not. But yeah. like, do you want to treat yourself every once in a while? Probably. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And I think that's okay. Well, this is a great conversation. I could talk to you forever. But we're closing in on an hour. And I just wanted to, I don't know, see if you have any last bits of wisdom for our listeners about how you, I don't know, how you approach beauty, how you how you manage your workflow and your balance of like testing and clients and, you know, output and downtime yeah. stuff like that for a long time. So I have like, I've worked with like retouchers at this point and I yeah. have for a couple of years and that was like really difficult for me because in fact, I was talking to my girlfriend about this just the other day. Cause she was sort of complaining about a friend needing an assistant, but sort of refusing. Yeah. And I was like, I get it. Like when you build, a business all on your own or, you know, kind of build this brand all on your own. Like Mm -hmm. it's hard to give the reins to somebody else that you're paying 
$15 an hour for yeah. that are there for the paycheck. And you also and there want for the, to like, exercise your creative control. Exactly. Like one of my favorite musicians is Grimes. Mm-hmm. And she talked about how when she got famous, all these people were reaching out to her to like build beats for her. And she was yeah. like, I've worked so hard to get yeah, my beats yeah. onto this the radio. Like, mine. why would I give it yeah. to someone else? Exactly. <laughs> well, and you know, for me, when I first hired like a retoucher, it was like I was retouching images. They were retouching the same images, and then we were taking time to like compare. And I'd be like, <laughs> I really love what you did here. Yeah. I prefer my style here because it was like, it was really difficult for me to give some of my creative control to somebody. Yeah. But you have to have like a realistic expectation of like what your capable of right. you know i have i have friends that are photographers that are working 50 hours a week every week because they refuse to hire a retoucher because it's you know it feels like they're like giving away a sense of their yeah. business to somebody else totally. and i'm just like look i understand that pride and i understand that that notion but like you have to realize like can you do this you know can you keep this up long term like this and you is have a- to keep in mind like what what's the thing you're best at exactly like lighting and directing the team is probably your your strongest asset and like when yeah. i'm on a shoot i have ideas about the styling mm-hmm. i have ideas about the art direction yeah. but like there's also people there who are professional they get yeah. like they are probably better and yeah. uh, definitely better than me yeah, yeah, yeah. so like there's a point like i need to keep my mouth shut and trust that like they might make a different decision than i would make but yeah their decision's also really good. Like, yeah. probably better. And yeah. like, that's okay, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I think y- you have to, like, you have to build sort of a community of people that you can trust and sort yeah. of lean on and, and delegate some stuff to because it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. And, like, all of these things are that way, you know? It's like I've had talks with friends that are just like, oh, I want to shoot the stuff that Annie Leibovitz is doing. And it's just like, yeah, but Annie Leibovitz has been doing this for 50 years. (laughs) She's been doing this for longer than we've been like significantly longer than we've been alive. And it's just like, she didn't, I mean, maybe she did because it was a different time, but she didn't just like call the Rolling Stones and be like, Hey, I want to go on tour with you. Like you have to earn that. And it's just like, one of my favorite quotes is like, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. Oh yeah. We talked about that with Michelle. Yeah. Cause it's true. People only see the highlight reel. They only see, you crossing that finish line mm-hmm. and it's just like, you know, you still have to run the race yeah. and nobody cares about the race. They care about the finish. They care about the last two minutes. They care about those things. So you have to like, look at yourself realistically and be like, all right, how can I get through that race when no one else is watching? And also like you could reproduce an Annie Leibovitz portrait shoot. Like yeah. you could figure out the lighting and the backdrop and like maybe even get the same talent, but it matters because it's Annie Leibovitz. Absolutely. Like there's a lot of the whole thing with like modern art is like, oh, I could do that. It's like, yeah, but you didn't. Yeah. And you're not Damien Hurst. Exactly. So it's not going to be worth $50 million. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. You know? No. And it's like, yeah, that price is attached to like, not only like what it brand, is, but yeah. what it took to be that, yeah. you know? All the legwork that for 50 years, like exactly. you said. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, my advice is just to like, have those realistic expectations on what you can do mm-hmm. and and stick to them. And, you know, they change with time. Things get easier with time. You can get into the system a little bit easier. But, like, recognize, like, time isn't the enemy. Like, time is, you know, that's the process. And yeah. that's, what, that's what it takes. You know, that's what makes the legends legends is not the last thing they created. It's everything up to that. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's daunting. When you look at the whole scope of it, it's like, oh, I want to be this kind of photographer. 
seems like it's impossible, but like mm-hmm. just put your head down and working on work on like what's in front of you. Exactly. There's this Will Smith quote that's you don't set out to build a wall. You don't say I'm going to build the biggest baddest wall that's ever been built. You don't yeah. start there. You say I'm going to lay this brick as perfectly as a brick can be laid. Yeah. You do that over and over again, and eventually you have a wall. Exactly. And like I think that's what it comes down to is like you you can get so daunted by like it's going to take you ten years. Yeah. So like. Stop thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> just absolutely. Get to work. Yeah, just yeah. Focus on what's going on now, and yeah. and you'll see your your career blossom over the course of a you know as time goes on. And yeah. you'll look back and you'll be embarrassed by old work, and that's a good thing. Absolutely. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think we've we've all sort of fallen into this like instant trap that you know our society is built around now, and it's mm-hmm. just like nope, these things like still take time. It's still sort of the old way of like. Patience is is key. And so. keep those shitty photos on your Instagram with the borders because it shows yeah. that like everyone started somewhere and everyone right. did the same stupid shit and then grew. You know? Right. Well, and yeah, you had talked about like kind of like humility and, and like being relatable and stuff. And like that is a beautiful story in its own right of being able to go through somebody's photos and look at what they were doing three years ago yeah. and see what they're doing now and being like, whoa, yeah. like we've got a big glow up here, you know, in three years. Like, okay, like exactly. I, get it. I can yeah. set my watch now three years from now. Exactly. Get yeah. To work. Yeah. It takes time. Um, yeah. That's great. Well, thank you so much for speaking to me, man. This is, yeah, of uh, course. This is such a pleasure. Yeah. This is great. And um, maybe we'll shoot some beauty. Who knows? Yeah. All right. Bye kids. Bye.